Wow. Oh yeah, and then you yeah when you said chili, it was like the opposite because like yeah, I really want some chili now. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. just it's it's pretty easy. I mean, we really just have to like cook the meat and the peppers, and then we we get like some Roma tomatoes and sweat them down and then mash them, and then just throw all that shit in a crock pot with like kidney beans, black beans, corn, all that mm. kind of shit, and then we just let it go for like the whole day. We're gonna make some cornbread with that the cast iron. Yeah, yeah, gotta. We had a um. I mean, we still have, but Kalia's vegetarian. We haven't we haven't like made it since um but also mostly just because we you know chili's a cold month food yeah but uh like instant pot crack white chicken chili Ooh, mm-hmm. thing oh yeah white so chicken chili good. rules <laughs> yeah that's like i might i might have said this before but that like is arguably like my if i had to like pick a favorite yeah. like dish food thing uh-huh. it might be white chicken chili um, yeah yeah, and then we, we made, like, like, potato soup the other day that is also, like, debilitating. Yeah. Just, like, a shitload of, like, heavy whipping cream, sour cream, cheese, like, all this kind of shit. We cook the onions and garlic down yeah. in, like, bacon <laughs> fat. So it's like, I had, like, two bowls, and I do it to myself every single time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back for a second one. And you're that and then I'm <laughs> soup belly where you're, like, going to explode. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm Mr. Creaso from uh, Monty Python's Meaning of Life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way when it comes to like especially especially chili. Um <laughs> but yeah, that that crack white chicken chili that we have, mm-hmm. it takes uh two like blocks of uh like Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you like you put the one in and you're like, "Oh, that's a lot of cream cheese." And then you got to put another uh, one. In. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's uh, But then but, but then it melts down and all goes together and you're like, okay. No, no, okay. no. This this is this is good. The yeah. there's when I was still on TikTok, there was a guy who's like his whole shtick was watching like life hack recipes like made by white ladies in giant kitchens. And it was like he watched the video, he's like, I'm gonna watch this video up until the point where they put like four blocks of cream cheese in a recipe and like <laughs> It's always just like put dry macaroni noodles in an instant pot and then cheese and then like salt and pepper and garlic and like it'd be and then there'd always be something crazy like throw ketchup in there. Just something that's like, uh, and then sure enough, the whole thing, like four sticks of cream cheese would go in and be like, yep. All right. End of the video. Um, that makes me think of, have you ever seen those? I might have shared them to one of our group chats. I've seen them on uh, their like TikTok videos where they're like they're like parodies of those kind of like <laughs> food hack things. Where it's like I saw one where it was like a waffle skillet, like a waffle iron. Oh I mean, no! And they just like dumped sprinkles, like completely covered it in sprinkles, <laughs> and then like cracked like three eggs on it. Oh! <laughs> and then they close it and they open it, and it's just like this black bubbling mess <laughs> and then they crack another egg on it after that oh those things fucking kill me oh yeah it's it is not hard to go on youtube there's like a plethora of bad food videos and not ironic either like just yeah. it and it's it, it paints a very sad picture sometimes of just like some dude 
in his like shitty little apartment kitchen, but he's like trying to do the YouTuber thing, like talking to the camera. All right, we're going to do this. We're going to take a look. And it's just like using like just shitty utensils. And like, yeah, I don't, there's something about like the way that they light it and it might not even be intentional, but it's always like the worst possible lighting to make the food (laughs) just look shiny and like just the worst possible way it could look. Yeah. I've, I actually follow a YouTuber um, the channel is called How to Cook That. Um, okay, but like her whole channel is well, she does other stuff sometimes. But I think what like she's most popular for, or at least what I watch is she like that's like her main thing is she like debunks like cooking hacks. So she'll like <laughs> focus on like a certain set of yeah. cook hack videos, and then she'll be like, <laughs> no, this is bad because of this or like this is how it should actually be made and blah 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 <laughs> and it's pretty interesting right that, that almost um, sounds like binging with babish who will take like recipes from like tv shows and then try to make them mm-hmm. like i know he's done a yeah. few from it's always sunny like he's he's done milk steak how they do it on the show and then he's like okay here's how you will actually do it if you wanted to try to make some type of recipe like this that's right. I think I've seen his. Uh, he does uh, sloppy steaks too. Oh, does <laughs> which he? Which is literally that's yeah. awesome. And he, but he like does it like, yeah, the way that he he like does it just like a cooking video, but it's literally just <laughs> a steak <laughs> with water. <laughs> I had the the episode numbers like memorized because we were building up to episode sixty nine, and now I have to check the thing again to, <laughs> so I know that I'm on the right number. <laughs> Um, welcome back, people, to There Will Be Duds. This is episode 71, and I am your co-host, TJ, a.k.a. J-Spot Jack Cheese, and with me as always. As always, I am Nick, a.k.a. Dr. Fung on Twitch. As always, we watched a movie. That movie being a movie called Hard Eight from 1996, nine, nine <laughs> uh, it's uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, the debut feature film from Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, and it follows a a veteran gambler slash swindler, Sidney, played by Philip Baker Hall. Um, he takes on John, played by John C. Riley, uh, as a sort of protege. It kind of follows them for a while. John starts a thing with a... a prostitute named clementine played by gwyneth paltrow uh i don't usually like go into like that this much i don't know i'm (laughs) fucking myself up i was on a roll and now i'm fucking myself up (laughs) um and then they uh, get into some trouble yeah they get into some trouble and sydney's gotta kind of help them sort it out that's yeah i have some sort of yeah that's I think it's a good overarching description of what happens in the movie. Yeah. I think for, um, for PTA's overall catalog, I think it is the one that is like the lightest on plot. Yeah. 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 Do you want me to go? Cause like, this is one of mine that was pulled from the cup. I don't know if you want me to like, kind of, <laughs> kind of, I was going to say, I think, I think you should because, um, first for, for the show, for me, um, I did not take a single note on this movie. Okay. Um, I wrote a couple down at the end because I'm OCD. Sure. And I was like, I have to have notes for some movies. Yeah. But it's just little things. 
Yeah, um, okay. So yeah, yeah, you take it away. I was, you know, I, I was curious thinking about like what your read on this was going to be. As you, I'm like, I was kind of leaning more towards, I don't think you're going to like it very much, which I th- I'm guessing that's where it went, which this could be a very interesting conversation. Uh, I mean, typically for me, I have to watch PTA movies like a couple times to like really sink my teeth into it. But uh, overall, I had a fairly positive experience. I'm not trying to go. I'm, I feel like I'm going into my wrap up. But uh, <laughs> if this is a shorter. I mean, I'd be OK with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's not nothing to talk about. But yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of like his his flourishes are there. And I think the fact yeah. that he's 24 years old while he's making this is crazy with like, yeah, to have that tight of a control of the camera and like, you know, being mm-hmm. able to do all that kind of shit. Uh, it was pretty impressive to me. I guess I'm curious. What about it? You didn't like Um, it was I don't know it, it like I was like halfway through it and it, it was just a, it was one of those nothing movies to me. OK, where like. I I'll say this. I don't think it was a bad movie, you know? Sure. Again. And like you said, like for being a first movie. Yeah. Good control. Um, I didn't. I like, you know, watching uh, Barking Dogs or Duel. I, those debut uh-huh. from the respective directors. I, I felt like I could see a lot more of them in those movies. And I really liked, I mean, I also liked those movies for other reasons too, but I really liked seeing that because that's why I like watching these debut movies. It's right. neat seeing the director that they'll become. And I didn't really see that much with this other than like, okay, yeah, he knows how to compose shots, but that was kind of it. Uh, sure. I thought the characters were pretty flat. I thought the story was pretty empty. I, and I just, I know I didn't I didn't connect with anybody in particular. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only uh, like, but like I will say, absolute favorite scene of the movie was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, that that was one of my notes was that Philip St- Philip Seymour Hoffman just shows up, steals the show, and then yeah. rides off into the <laughs> sunset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I love that scene. <laughs> He's, he's like, come on, old timer, Scooby Dooby, yabbity doo. Like, <laughs> I wonder how much just, of that was PTA, like writing it, and how much of it was just. He's like, all right, all right, Phil, you're just kind of a dickhead, but you're silly and zany too. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, all right, yeah, I got this, and he just starts like yeah. scatting at him. He's like, all right, old timer, yeah, you gonna do? What are you gonna yabbity do? <laughs> um, yeah, the first thing I noticed was that. It's very strange. Uh, he repeated something in Boogie Nights from this movie. Mm. The music, the the music at the very opening, it's kind of this very menacing, like kind of like two notes kind of playing back and forth. It happens again in the scene when Sydney first takes uh, Clementine into like the hotel and she's like sitting there waiting and wondering if he's like going to try and like pay for sex. It, uh-huh. Yeah, but it's the same music that plays in like the scene in Boogie Nights when it's like it's one it's like one of those classic PTA scenes where like everybody it's like you see everybody's story and how they intersect at the same time. It's mm-hmm. it's the scene where Don Cheadle is like at the donut shop and like that gets stuck up and simultaneously Dirk Diggler is like 
strapped for cash. So he's in a parking lot jerking off in front of a guy in a truck. And so the first yeah. thing I was like, oh, this is the Dirk Diggler jerking off music. Cool. All right. <laughs> but cool. the the character of John played by John C. Riley is another like very like I'd like to think that after this movie, his character goes off and becomes Reed Rothschild from Boogie Nights because same type of characterization where he's just like, yeah. he's like, if you fuck with me, I know three types of karate. Like that's a very that like his <laughs> regular karate. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is like it's cool that even after like he becomes Sydney's protege, he still maintains he like you know, he dresses better and he dresses snappier, but he's still just yeah. kind of a dumb guy in like the way that yeah. he like responds to things and like acts. He's like he he was very like I don't know why, but he was it was making me think of like Lenny from uh of Mice and Men. Men. <laughs> of Mice and, yeah. <laughs> uh let's see let's see let's see yeah i can just rush through my notes i mean this can be if you want to talk about post chat we can do that too just because i mean no if if you because i mean i i feel like i dominate a lot of the conversations anyway so yeah maybe if you want to talk about this movie for this (laughs) like being able to talk more instead of yeah what else do we got oh i felt very seen uh, in the scene when he's explaining how he gets free pay per view in his hotel room, because the number of times <laughs> I like that, the number yeah. of times I've been in a situation where like I explain AV stuff to like a disinterested woman is like it's it's happened a lot to me. <laughs> so yeah, like, oh, that's okay. kind of funny. Yeah, uh, I think I don't know. It was a it, it was a letterbox review that I read from uh, Matt Chrisman from Chapo that I, th- I thought was interesting because after I finished this, I kind of went on Letterboxd and looked at like what the general consensus was for this movie. And it, it, a lot mm-hmm. of it's very positive, but um, his, his review yeah. was interesting. Um, Cause he kind of talks about there will be, he's like something happened to PTA during there will be blood because up until that point, a lot of his movies are very much about like wayward men looking for father figures and then, like, I think after There Will Be Blood, it's, like, he describes it as, like, the master being, like, this turning point where he's, like, Freddie Quell from The Master is a pre, is, like, an old Paul Thomas Anderson character stuck in a new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, <laughs> which I, I thought was interesting because, like, those themes are very present in, like, the first three or four of his movies. Like, you think Dirk Diggler is looking for a father figure in uh, Burt Reynolds. Magnolia, it's, like, Tom Cruise and his father, literal father, who's, like, on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punch Drunk Love, I'm not... That's more... It's, that's that's kind of different. That's kind of the outlier. Yeah, yeah. But then it's, yeah. like, with There Will Be Blood, you got H.W., who doesn't have a real father, and then ultimately, like... Daniel Plainview like rejects him outright and it's like that's you know I think that's like the big thing that I picked up on this movie and I will say it was pretty unsubtle (laughs) with that sort of like there's literally a line where um Philip Baker Hall is like he's like yeah I have two kids I have a daughter and a son and it's like oh I wonder Mm -hmm. who these surrogate daughter and sons are yeah so I was like okay all right, that was a little on the nose. I think the, I think the most affecting scene for me it, it was one of the it was a minor scene, but it was uh, after they deal with the guy that was like handcuffed to the bed, 
So they got they got this shotgun wedding, you know, they get it, you know, in Vegas or Reno, I think is where most of it takes place. And they've got this. Or, yeah. Yeah. And there's like some sort of like, because Gwyneth Paltrow's character is still, you know, moonlighting as a prostitute while she's like working at, at the casino. And they've got this guy yeah. handcuffed to the bed. And Sydney has to come in and basically play cleanup. And at the very end of that scene, uh, like as he sends them away to like Niagara Falls, I think is where they're going. He hands him a tape and he's like, you know, we got married and like, here's the tape if you want to watch it. And I think the scene of him just sitting there like alone in his room watching the tape and it's like, okay, like, you know that he doesn't have a good relationship with his biological son and daughter and he's not in their life. And I, I, I just mm-hmm. thought that was really sad that even after this, like he had to, he had to watch all that shit from a distance. Like he, yeah. you know, he couldn't even be there for them for like that special moment. And he had to like sit alone. Like he's like, like his whole character is meant to be like alone. We, we had, we had some PTA Easter eggs. Robert Ridgely okay. was in it, who plays the Colonel in Boogie Nights. He's the one that ends up being like a pedophile and like he's in jail. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, there's like, was he in this one? He was like one of the Kino guys. He didn't have. He oh, he was the one who's okay. like walking around the tables, and he was like, he's like, oh, I see you guys have found something special tonight. Like I think he's famous yeah, for like being yeah. like a voice actor. Like he was very prominent in the fifties and sixties. Okay. And then there's like another reference. Uh, I think Samuel L. Jackson, once he kind of figures out what Philip Baker Hall, like what I he... did notice he was in the movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> 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 he's like, he finds, he's like, I know what you did in Atlantic City. And then he lists off some like old, older sounding like Italian, like gangster guys. And he says, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, I know Paul Zabadabudi. <laughs> and then he's like, Uh, uh, yeah, and Jimmy Gator. And Jimmy Gator is the uh, What Do Kids Know host in Magnolia, played by Philip Baker Hall. Oh, Like the yeah. quiz show. Right. The character's name yeah. is Jimmy Gator. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, 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 w- I must have totally missed that, because I would have recognized that name for sure. Yeah. Because it's just like a unique name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Kind of near the end, I, I said, yeah, I guess John kind of broke even. He started out without a father, and he kind of yeah. ended without a father. But he's got a wife, so maybe he, he he did a little bit better. Well, they're not like, cause didn't it end with um? He didn't like lose him, right? Cause he, I thought I mean, the end was like they kind of reconciled, and he's like, yeah, I'll see you later. Yeah, I guess I took that more of more of like he thought about it after Samuel L. Jackson reminded him that he's like, yeah, you killed his dad. And like he took care. I don't know. So Sydney was saying like I should stay out of their lives, kind of thing. I think that that's kind of the read that I had. That like okay. his character is just someone who like no matter who he's around, he probably ends up destroying it. And so he's okay. like, all right, I put these two people together, like, and at the very at the very least, like I took care of this other guy who who could expose me, and like at the very least, they have a positive like association with him and like i think that's yeah like probably as best as he can get yeah that was my read at the um, very least okay i i'm a, i i guess i thought that yeah i i could see that i just i think my default is just optimism even when it like that's why i like ambiguous endings mm. uh well i mean 
like kind of like this where like you can say that so then you can be like yeah that's a good ending because it's not giving you like a cheesy sappy thing but then in my head i can be like but yeah but they you know they they still they still see each other so (laughs) so in my head i can have the sappy ending and still the ending is like withholding that or whatever sure of the actual movie did they ever say why he killed his father uh i feel like there was uh, there was like a i think it was like one or two lines that sort of referenced it uh i don't think it i think it was vague i think it was i think maybe his father was like a son of a bitch or something or gambling debts or something i i see philip baker hall or i see sydney as more of like like a like a uh, well, I was gonna reference the fox from Pulp Fiction, but you haven't seen that. Harvey Keitel's character, he's kind of like a cleanup guy, a cleaner. Yeah, and like I guess a little bit of like, you know, Mike from like Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. Obviously not as fleshed out as Mike, but like yeah. that he's sort of like a yeah, yeah, you know, I'm from a different town and I have a reputation and I'm trying to like, you know, clean it up a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, it did seem like some kind of enforcer or something like yeah. that but but they just like yeah yeah kind of was light on that but and yeah. and <laughs> it, it was nice to see him in a more leading role because i usually see philip baker hall yeah. as like just kind of a character actor that shows up in movies mm-hmm. and then you know because like you know i love him in boogie nights and magnolia he's more of i guess he's more of a main character in magnolia like his like his character has more of like an attachment to the other threads. Uh, yeah. I think what, uh, Zodiac? I liked him in Zodiac quite a bit as like the handwriting expert guy. But it's nice, yeah, it was nice uh, to see him have... Sherwood Morrow. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I I, uh, I I also like seeing him as a... It's always cool seeing, you know, like... Uh, Harry Dean Stanton is in Paris, Texas. Yeah. He's another one who's like usually just a side character or whatever. It's It's cool to see them like really flex their their acting chops or whatever. And I did like his performance. Like it's, and a, and a lot of times he does just kind of have the same sort of tone, same yeah. cadence. He's just like, I just have kind of a gruff old man voice. But see, having him be the lead, I feel like I kind of got to like appreciate his acting ability more. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, like I think his kind of acting that that like reserved like kind of almost monotone. Yeah, it really worked for this character mm-hmm. because he is, you know, reserved and like I I like that he was able to like I I still got the emotion that he was like conveying while being very stoic and yeah closed and he d- and he did kind of break out of that a few times where like he actually got kind of pissed and was like. Yeah, he had more. Had, he had, you know, Samuel he, Jackson and yeah, or like the scene yeah. in in like the hotel room when like they're trying to get. And also, it's like three hundred bucks. Why are you like, <laughs> I know. like come I, on? I think yeah, I think he even has like a moment where he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also think I just I like uh, something about like early two thousands mid nineties Gwyneth Paltrow. Some of like my favorite movies with her in it are from that time period. I, I I don't know. I think when she's like crying, she just has a very sympathetic face to me. Like I'm thinking mostly like Seven and like the Royal Tenenbaums. Like bumps. seeing her crying. Yeah, you taking notes over there? Are you? 
Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. yeah. And I don't I mean, know. Like IRL Gwyneth Paltrow, it would be nice to see suffer. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Post post goop Gwyneth uh, is a less sympathetic figure to me. Yeah, but, but I I kind of do agree. There's like there's like a moment in particular where I was like I was like, yeah, I did used to to like her, but then yeah, after I don't know. I I just it's hard for me to enjoy her in much now just because of who she is now. But there's the moment where they're like she's in the bar or at the at the diner with Sydney and there's like a clatter behind her and it's like a rack focus back to him and then back to her and she just has like a look on her face and i was like oh <laughs> i don't know that was like the moment where i was like yeah okay all right <laughs> 90s gwyneth paltrow's all right <laughs> yeah i'm like i i really enjoy her character in seven like there's like a mm-hmm. really good scene when it's like morgan freeman and her talking in the diner when she like tells him that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and like he tells his story about how like he went through a similar experience and he like convinced his wife to have an abortion and he's and he, he's like, if you you know decide to keep it, and he's like, you spoil that kid, and she like she breaks, and for some like mm. it just it gets me. Same with like Royal Tenenbaums when she's like laying in bed with Richie, and she's like, you're not gonna do it again, are you? And he's like, probably not. And like sa- like same thing, same thing. It just it gets me for some reason, and uh, so I I liked her in this movie. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a lot of other movies that she's been in. Like, other than, like, this era. I like the, the Avengers. Yeah, Marvel yeah. Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess. I guess I'm looking at her movie. I think that's pretty much it for me, too. It's, like, the Marvel movies and then, like, basically all the ones that you just named. And Shallow Hal. I used to watch that movie a lot. <laughs> is, she the, is she the lead in Shallow Hal? Like, is she... Yeah. Like, the, the fat girl in the skinny body? Yeah, I've never seen yeah. Shallow Hal. Would that would that be a dud or would that be a normal movie? I don't I don't know. I think I mean like I I feel <laughs> like now it's a lot more contentious because like people are more uh I guess I don't know if the word's like aware of like you can't make a movie that's all about like <laughs> you know body <laughs> like obese people being unattractive and stuff like that yeah is this like body shaming Um, the movie but i feel like at the time it was like i don't think it was like a dud no i I think it was like an average i would say yeah um i just liked it because jack black and i was a little kid you're like oh yeah no i know that guy yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. She went from Royal Tenenbaums to Shallow Hal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've seen Emma too. She, yeah, she's good in Emma as well. She's the lead. Yeah, I guess I only really like three or four Gwyneth Paltrow movies. <laughs> I think I think that's that's like you, the cap. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Samuel L. Uh, Jackson, it it felt like they, I feel like in that period of time, people saw Pulp Fiction and said, this is the role you're going to do forever. Because it was like, like people Pulp, still want that. <laughs> it was like Pulp Fiction, this, and then I guess to a lesser extent, uh, Jackie Brown. Yeah, I, I feel like he's a little more interesting in Jackie Brown than this movie, mm-hmm. but it's like same kind of deal. I'm like a, a, a drug dealer or some sort of criminal 
and I'm like a smart talking guy. Yeah. And then I get shot up in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh his character was so like it was a little one dimensional. Yeah, one dimensional and then it's just like it felt like it was it like forced conflict at the end just to kind of have yeah. a kind of climax. It was it was just a little strange. And it, it was funny because like the first chunk of it cuz I didn't I didn't or Maybe I had seen his name. I don't know. I don't think I knew that he was in the movie. And I was like thinking like, oh, this seems like it's kind of pulling from. It's like it's like a film student's like, I just saw Pulp Fiction and I'm going to make that. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. And then Samuel Jackson showed up and I was like, ah. Because <laughs> um, it, it did feel like that kind of like Tarantino-esque yeah. film student-y type yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do not doubt that it's, it is it is derivative of a lot of, like, noir-style movies of the time. Yeah. And, like, even, even watching it at the beginning, again, my experience was overall pretty positive just because I really mm-hmm. like PTA and I like pretty much pretty mm-hmm. much all of his movies. I don't know where this one would fit, like on like the list but mm. uh you know i i it did seem amateurish especially in the dialogue i did not believe for a second john c Riley's crying in the phone booth oh <laughs> it, it just it didn't seem real it didn't feel earned oh. the sort of it's like oh is he gonna tell him about his dad nope actually i love you i'm your dad and yeah it was it was like that that felt pretty hokey. It didn't it didn't seem super believable to me. I didn't mm. I was like, eh. But again, it's his first movie, so it's like I give him a little bit of, a little bit of credit. Just like being twenty four years yeah. old and being able to like do that kind of stuff. It's it's like his weakest effort and yet, you know, his first movie is probably better than a lot of other people's like first movie, so what do I know? I would put this above Phantom Thread. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably it. <laughs> Damn. You really don't like Phantom Thread. Well, like I said, I didn't dislike this movie. You know? Like, okay. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, what I should say is, like, I don't think it was bad is what I, I will say. Okay. I just, like, I just didn't get anything out of it. Okay. You know? But what um, you got out of Phantom Thread was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was longer, so True. there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And okay. Yeah, I don't know. At least there was some stuff. You know, there wasn't any like crap shooting Philip Seymour Hoffman in Phantom Thread. So yeah, that's true. There was some stuff to to get out of this. <laughs> some very little things. <laughs> and I guess just roll into scores. Wrap up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I will say, uh, overall, I had a pretty positive experience. Again, I'm glad that... Because this is like the only one of his that I hadn't seen up until this point. And I right. think if, if, you know, gun to my head, I think I prefer early PTA over... Again, like that, 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 that seemingly shift in the master. I like... I think I like the early material yeah. more than the other material... Not that one's particularly better, it's just different, and I think I get more out of like sure. the early material than the later ones. 
Uh, that being said, uh, I really like the cinematography. Robert Elswit is nuts. He was a cinematographer, and you look at his career, and he's... I mean, he did There Will Be Blood. He did Magnolia. He did Punch Drunk Love. He did Boogie Nights. Like, he's done a bunch of other stuff, too, but he was like his his guy yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, oh, I did want to note that like the final song is the most PTA thing of all time because it was John Bryan, Michael Penn, and Amy Mann, who uh-huh. up until Johnny Greenwood, those three are like his yeah. go-to people that are in every single yeah. movie. <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure John Bryan is in Boogie Nights as, like, the house band that oh. plays during the porn awards. Oh, okay. Like, I think he's, like, actually in it. I feel like they could have done more with the Christmas time stuff, too, because there were, like, a few references to it, and the song was called Christmas Time. Mm-hmm. Like, me, I don't know. Maybe that was, like, the whole father thing. He's Father Christmas. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, huh. <laughs> you know, for a movie that's called Heart Eight, I'm feeling a pretty soft seven. Okay. <laughs> or or instead of a hard eight, I'm more of a five plus three. So wait, I so guess you're going to fight? Soft... No, no, I'll go seven. I'm a I'm a four okay. plus three. I'm a soft seven. Okay. <laughs> or a six I... plus one. I don't know how that would break down. I knew. Oh yeah, I'd... I don't know how yeah, craps works. <laughs> yeah, you can't do a hard seven, right? <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered which one of us was going to... I figured one of us was going <laughs> to reference the title in our score. Um, yeah, I I guess, you know, mine's probably predictable if you've been hearing what I've been saying over and over again. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't get anything out of it. It's a five. I don't really have much to, much to add. I just... I was... Uh, I just didn't get much out of it other than like little moments here and there uh with certain philip seymour hoffman's <laughs> and most notably <laughs> uh and then you know i could be like yeah it's a it's, it's well it's well made it's well it looks nice and that's why i was like okay it's not i can't say it's bad i can't go lower than five because like it's a well-made movie i just personally wasn't vibing with it so five yeah so Man, I bet Travis would have hated it. I don't know. Probably. I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. You probably would have thought it was pretentious. Um, I think I'm the one that doesn't like these like 90, because I was the low score for Heat, too. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I might be the one who's just not super into these. Like, I, I've had my fill, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I don't need any more. 90s noir crime comedy dramas yeah Yeah, i guess something (laughs) something (laughs) like that (laughs) speaking of soft things here's an ad break (laughs) are we back yeah i'm thinking we're back all right so for you (laughs) so this will sound a little weird for you uh future november people but um I watched, like, I had a little mini movie marathon as I s- spent, like, 10 hours working on my pumpkin carving last night, which was partly because I was just watching the movies. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, was going like, to say, what What did you make? What did you carve? Um, I mean, it's not, like, it's not nothing, but 
I mean, I did it intentionally because, like, I like to, you know, carve a pumpkin and watch, you know, horror movies as I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah. But if I had just been carving it, just fully paying attention, probably would have taken me a couple. I think it still would take me a couple hours. Okay. I did. I'll try to show you. Yeah. It's um. I can kind of see that. I, I can send you a picture. It's yeah. it's Umbreon. Oh Pokemon. yeah yeah. I th- please, I, it's a Gen One. Uh, two. Shit, but but yes, I, I know that. All um, I heard was the suffix eon, and I knew you're talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched. Well, I watched Heart Eight, and I watched. We started the haunting, which I want to get back to, but Kalia okay. fell asleep and I'm gonna watch that one with her. But then I watched um the Black Phone. Oh yeah, uh, bodies, 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 bodies. And Hellraiser 4. And then I started Hellraiser 5 because I, as I was wrapping up my pumpkin at like 4 a.m. But then I was like, I should go to bed. <laughs> um, and then I also watched uh, Nope the other day, too. So I've been I just I binged a bunch of horror movies this week. And the, they're all like except uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll tackle Hellraiser as a separate thing. <laughs> but um, Black Phone is like high six. I gave it a six, but it's like a high six. Okay. Uh, really like Ethan Hawke in everything I see him in. He's really he's good in that. There's some other uh, people in that that I like, like James Ransone plays his brother, Jeremy the, Davies. The um, trailer for Black Phone made me think that I was like, oh, Ethan Hawke, what are you doing? Because it, it it looked very much like a run of the mill, just kind of like yeah. almost like is it Bloomhouse? It is Bloomhouse, isn't it? It is Bloomhouse. I yeah. was like, this is just going to be another Bloomhouse horror movie. And then I saw people giving it pretty good reviews, and I, from what I gathered, there's like some sort of twist in it that's pretty good. That it's more elevated yeah. than just like an yeah. average like Bloomhouse cash in kind of like bad horror movie that they're sort of known for. Yeah, I I would say so. I had the exact same experience. That's that's what I thought. It looked like a dumb, like garbage throwaway movie, but yeah, I was getting good reviews. So, and I was like, Ethan Hawke. All right, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, it was it was solid. Like I said, it was close to a seven for me. Just I don't know, just quite, just under like something about it. Just feeling, yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, worth worth a check as far as like newer horror movies pretty pretty decent um it's written by stephen king's son so that's right it feels it feels very stephen kingy like there's kids with maybe psychic abilities or that kind (laughs) of adjacent stuff bodies 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 is like i like a step up from that it's like a high seven nice okay couldn't quite give couldn't quite settle on an eight but but really close. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. I really like, mo- like, most all the performances were great. I think you said this in yours, too, but much like Suicide Squad, like, good use of, St- of Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just just the right amount. Um, yeah, and he is. And there was. Uh, that's a curtain call on Pete. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, yeah, the first guy to die in both movies. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I. I actually like liked him in it, like his part. Like, yeah, he was good in Suicide Squad. He was just fucking annoying, and I was like, yeah, die. But in this, I was like, okay, yeah, he's you know, yeah, I kind of I like him in this when he's talking to the one girl, and he's like comparing himself to Lee Pace because he like knows that he's like way hotter than him or whatever, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I just, he's like, I just think that I look like I fuck, like I, yeah. I fuck, and that's like the vibe that I want to put out. 
Um, yeah, that so, movie could have easily been like forty-year-old writing Gen Z language, and it's bad. Oh yeah, the, like the, yeah. And I think some people do think that uh, that it's bad because of that. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because they are very secretly like those types of people, and they don't want to be portrayed that way. That's yeah. what I, that's what I choose to Maybe. believe. But I thought the way that they talked was very. It, it was like elevated to be satirical, mm-hmm. like the big, uh, yeah. the big fight. But when she's like, "You hate listening to her podcast," that, that was great. I in the theater because like Chloe and I went with a couple of other friends, and our the, our other friends they were like more meh about it. Uh-huh. I was dying in the theater at all of that shit. Like That's the, awesome. Like the uh, uh, you're. It's like you're upper middle class. It's like my parents. Oh yeah, she teach like at college or something. It's like it's a public yeah. school. Like that. Oh, it's like the same usage as uh, you play ball like a girl from the Sandlot. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. biggest insult. It's treated with the same <laughs> gravity. Like it's yeah. And then of course, all four of us were losing our minds at Connor O'Malley showing up at the end. Like yeah, I I was so happy. I I knew I had seen it beforehand. I as I was watching the movie, 100% forgot he was in it, that he was, like, supposed to show up, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was great. I think, um, other than my bias of just, I love Lee Pace, but I think my my, my favorite was... Yeah, yeah, could use more pace. I, I th- my Probably my favorite performance was Rachel Sennett, mm-hmm. who I'd seen in... Um, she's in a movie like the year before called Shiva baby. Yep. She's like the main in that. Have you seen that one? No, but I, I know uh, it's like a, is it like a bat mitzvah movie? She's like Jewish in that, right? Something it's, like that. It, well, it's a Shiva. So oh. it's a, it's like a, it's kind of like a, um, it's for like a, a funeral. It's uh, I'm trying oh, to think okay. of the, it's like where you have it at the house and it's sure. You know, yeah. Re- regarding, uh, but yeah, she's, she's really good in that, but yeah, she was, she was really good in this. Yeah. Good, good performances. Yeah. I, I love the writing. Um, I love like, I should say like the dialogue, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, there's just something keeping me from, from going a little higher. I could see it going up on a, on a rewatch though. Um, cause it was really fun. Like it's one that I could like easily have fun watching again. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I wish like, cause they have the twist at the end. Well, I mean, the yeah. reveal. I, I'll say more reveal than a twist, but that like, there was no killer. It yeah. was Pete Davidson just like killed himself <laughs> trying, on accident. He, he dies trying to do a TikTok and like yeah. nicks his throat with a sword. It's... Yeah, yeah. It was great that it was like that was like a pretty good like haha moment because he was trying to do the thing that lee pace did so effortlessly at the beginning because <laughs> he just like walks out and he just like one try just boom pops the thing off the champagne he's like who wants who wants champagne and he's like pete davidson is like so envious of him the whole time the fact that like he killed himself trying to do the same thing was, <laughs> was great but i don't know i i almost i don't know that this makes me sound like a like a average movie goer i guess but i i feel like i would have liked it more if there was a killer i guess i like i get that i like like why they did the twist and everything and it's just them all just being idiots but like yeah i don't know i feel like there could have been it could have been a little more interesting if they had 
a killer. Yeah. A, a killer person. Yeah. Um, it. Yeah. I feel like it's it's branded as a horror movie, but it's more of like uh, a satirical social commentary first. And I think that's also like very sure. par of the course with A24 with like some of their trailers being like misleading or, you know, maybe not telling you what it's going to be exactly. Mm-hmm. Also, from what I read, a lot of people like didn't like the trailer. I-, I haven't actually seen it, but I think the trailer set it up to be more of like a horror movie, maybe. I don't know. People were like ragging yeah. on the trailer and then they saw the movie and they're like, oh, this is nothing like the trailer and this is good. I, I think that's so weird because I, I told I know I said this when you covered it, but like I would not have seen this movie if I had not seen the trailer. It was like to me, it was one of the most effective trailers in recent really? memory. Yeah, you because most say that. times because most times I'll like hear a concept or, you know, I'll see who's in a movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go see that. Or yeah. no, I'm not going to see that. This one I was like, no, I'm not going to see that. But the trailer came up, and I was like, okay, there's some people in it that I like. I'll, I'll watch the trailer. And I was like, all right, I'm sold. Yeah. That was great. And I think that – I think it was a really good trailer for the movie. Like, yeah. to me, it – it I wasn't necessarily – I mean, I guess, yeah, it does set you up to think it's a slasher movie. But for the most part of the movie, it's making it seem like it's a slasher yeah. movie. So I think it was appropriate. Yeah, uh, and it's not for that reason that I think that I was like, I don't know, like disappointed that there wasn't a killer. I just, other than that joke with Pete Davidson, I think it would have it could have been more interesting. Yeah, if, there was. if one of the girls was actually a killer, or if it was Connor O'Malley, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he shows up with like the like yellow eyes that the, he has. His Howard <laughs> Schultz for president. <laughs> yeah. He's just like covered and like yeah blood yeah um yeah it's like it's i i think of it in my head as like it's slasher uh wendy's wendy's as a slasher film or i like that i like that (laughs) and then nope was great that was even i actually did put it at an eight with my initial review and then i bumped it to a seven i like i could go back and i could bring it back up to an eight again i don't know so I'm like that one's even closer, but I really, really liked Nope a lot. As a my personally my favorite Jordan Peele movie. Yeah. Um, loved the absolutely loved Daniel Kaluuya's character. Yeah. I, uh, and like his you know relationship with his sister and everything. I love the that it turned into almost like a heist movie it had a heist movie feel yeah where they get the they get the team together they get angel and then the director guy with what was his name it was antlers holst is that director's name <laughs> yeah a very um, the, uh like the super pretentious like carson clay from beans holiday type of guy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah with like a tom waits voice yeah yeah um but like a a smooth tom waits because he had yeah. like a really cool voice yeah, it's like it's almost like they treated it in the studio like they they really boosted like the lows in his voice to like have that sort of radio announcer type it like almost, yeah, deepness I, to it. Yeah, I, I I wondered if they did too, um, <laughs> or if that was just his voice. I don't know. But that that was um, after, he's like Jordan Peele was like, damn, your voice is cool. I I don't have a character for you yet, <laughs> but uh, hold on, yeah. I'll find something. So yeah, the whole. Uh, that final act where they're like setting up the, the trap Mm -hmm. and 
the whole way that played out with the the TMZ guy showing up and then <laughs> yeah uh, all the you know all the little hitches that happened the using the little the wacky they had names for them they they had they called them what they're actually called but I forgot oh like the wacky but the wacky arm. waving yeah yeah using those tube as man? like to track tube men or yeah tall something. boy. Maybe that was it. Uh, on the Wikipedia, it says it a was tube man, like sky dancer, air dancer, inflatable man, and originally called the dancer tall boy. Okay, is what I remember them saying in the movie. Okay, okay. But yeah, using that to like track its movement or whatever mm-hmm. was really cool. That crazy, like I I really appreciate when aliens in movies, uh, like the you know the creature, not aliens because it's you know it's like oh it's not actually a UFO, yeah, it's, yeah. you know. But I really appreciate when alien creatures look alien and not just like humanoid. Yeah. It's like, because like you see it, you it's it has a good amount of screen time at the end of the movie, but it's still really hard to conceptualize like what that thing looks like. And I really liked that, that it was because that's like what aliens are probably like is, yeah you know hard to comprehend because they are not from earth so yeah they'd yeah. be they'd be different yeah the uh the this is another one that we saw in theaters and i think we saw it i don't we didn't see it in imax but it was one of those like super duper surround sound type things where like our seats vibrated and shit and i oh, will okay. say in that early like the first that i guess first cool. act it was like it was it was terrifying. I was pretty creeped out by like the way that the the creature like moved. Yeah, you just and see like, it like dart in oh, between clouds yeah, and it just no, comes you'd hear like a whoom, Yeah, really it was quick. very effective. And that like, would be es- cool. Especially the reveal um because like Angel sets up all the cameras and he calls them and like he's like, Hey, uh, I'm watching these security cameras. Have you seen that cloud that hasn't moved in like three days? And <laughs> that like it sent shivers down my spine because it's like uh. it, that idea is just like so creepy to me. Just like something completely innocuous that you wouldn't even notice until yeah. it's pointed out to you. And you're like, yeah, that cloud hasn't moved. And it's like that's where it's been hiding in plain sight the whole time. Yeah. I, don't know, I thought that yeah, was that really was, cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I like that while well, I was saying like the design of it is very alien and out of this world. Yeah. Uh I also like that, you know, in opposite side of that, that it's just like, okay, but it is just an animal. And like the way that mostly like Daniel Kaluuya treats it is he's like, okay, I know animals. I know how to work with them. Yeah. So treat it like an animal. And I, I don't. I like that you know. While it is alien, it's still like there's some kind of like instinctual laws of nature that yeah. it still has to follow. Where it's like you know, don't look it in the eyes, like the you know the with the, the thing mm-hmm. with the chip, the chimp on the TV show. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the, that shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know when he's like, I got like super into the ending when he does like the you know the eye thing with the sister, and then mm-hmm. he just like he just looks it like right in. I guess it's I as it's yeah. like going towards him. It's like that the like it's like the ribbony like whoosh, whoosh, yeah. whoosh thing. I was like, 
don't know. I was so fucking into that the yeah. ending of that movie. It was it was great. And then you get the fucking Akira slide. I was like, hell yeah. Is that um, is that with the motorcycle? Yeah. It's okay. it's a it's a very I, I instantly I was like, he just did the Akira slide. And then Cleo was like, what? And I'm like, She's like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Like a thousand percent." If if you ever see that shot in a movie, it is a reference to Akira. That's um, awesome. And then I like I googled the shot to show her, and then like one of the top results was somebody interviewing Jordan Peele, and they were like, "You got to do the Akira slide," and then he just, <laughs> uh, or no, he's like he's like so the Akira slide in the movie, and then Jordan Peele just starts like laughing, and he's like he's like I got to do it. I got to do this. Got to do the shot. He's like so excited about it. Um, yeah, overall, like really, really fun. Like I said, it's a seven or eight. It's really yeah. close to an eight. Uh, I think. I think for me, what what kind of kept me from being like this movie is like amazing. I think. Mm-hmm. I think some of the ideas are a little not fully formed. I think he. I think he has a lot of cool ideas that are presented. Mm-hmm. that i don't know sometimes like like the stuff with gordy's home i thought that was like okay it was like the the alien coming out like out of the cloud i think the gordy's home stuff was like a notch above that in terms of like unsettling like oh. scary with like because like the, the movie starts out that way like you just hear like yeah. Yeah. like squelching of this monkey like killing somebody yeah and i think I think maybe in like Jordan Peele's like three hour long cut of this movie, maybe there's more of it. But I, I feel like with with Get Out and Us, all of his movies sort of have that element to it where there's just, I don't know, there's something about it that's like not fully fleshed out that would keep it from being like a 10 out of 10. They are, I think, they I think Nope is like very... the closest that he comes to for me in term, in terms of like achieving that like elevated okay. horror slash like social commentary stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of looking for that at first, the, cause that is kind of what he's known for yeah. after get like the social commentary. But then after like a half an hour, I just stopped looking for it and I was just like enjoying the movie. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, and I will say this movie was, I would say the lightest on that kind of stuff for sure. Which was the which only was totally thing fine. is like, it's it's more about like not necessarily like people social commentary but like I guess animals like animals yeah. used in film and television mm-hmm. even the the whole conceit of capturing the alien on camera is like their oh, yeah. main goal and right. you know it, it all ties into into yeah animal use and abuse mm-hmm. and and all that I feel I, like the the part where you see it like digesting the people or I whatever. I was wondering like when, is, when Steven Yuen is like uh he's like he has all the people out there and he's like, all yeah. right, you know, check it out. And then like it doesn't work and it just sucks all of them up. <sighs> that was <laughs> that like I like I I instantly I was like, I definitely want to watch that movie again. Yeah. Like, but I'm like I'm dreading that. Like that was traumatizing. It's yeah. so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, you just like after that, it's like flying around, and you see it like from the you know like the people on the ground's perspective, the M M and Angel, and you hear it like flying to and fro, and the screams of the people yeah. like c- 
coming and going with it. And then at a point, you just hear, like, it stop. Their screams just stop. And then that's when it, like, rains. Oh, down, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I, I went from... I went from two different versions of oh shit because yeah. when it sucked all of them up I was like oh shit like like scared terrifying this is awful and then when it squelches and it just rains blood on the house I was like laughing like oh <laughs> shit <laughs> like that it was like two you know two the same reaction you know slightly different which then that puts in context the opening sequence too because when uh Keith David when he like gets hit by like a what was it like a dime it was like a, a, a and, yeah like a nickel coin. or something like that yeah i was like is that a plane like a, am i cuz i thought it was that's like debris from a plane crash or something that's what it says like on the news report or something like that but it's like even then if you listen you can hear people screaming like in that oh shit really the, yeah i was like are we about to see like people falling from the sky but if you listen really closely at the beginning you can hear like very faintly like people yelling and then it's like no this is this thing oh. digesting and like the inorganic material falls out and that's what hit his, right. hits his dad yeah watch yeah. it again you'll hear like very faintly you'll hear people screaming damn that's cool this movie coupled with i don't remember if i talked about this on the show but my, I know I told you my experience with the chimps at the zoo a few weeks ago. No. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure. I thought I did. Maybe. Well, they like, we were at John Ball Zoo a few weeks ago, and we were like near the chimpanzee enclosure, and we just hear them start screaming. Okay. Just screaming. And then so we walk over there, and a raccoon had fallen to their You did, I remember. Enclosure. <laughs> okay, yeah. Did they and kill it? I didn't. I don't know. You didn't stick around long I, enough to see. No, I left because nobody was doing anything. And I was like, fuck this. Like, none of the zookeepers are doing anything. I'm like, I don't want to see a fucking raccoon get killed. Yeah. Well, this is fucking stupid. You guys should be doing... I was, I was fucking pissed. <laughs> I was like... I was really debating, like, finding some, like, pebbles to throw at the chimps in hopes that the zookeepers would, like, yell at me to stop. And then I could be like, hey, do something about this then. Yeah. Um, Because there's a part where, like, the the raccoon had, like, gone under these steps and the chimps couldn't, like, reach it. So then one of them goes and rips a branch off a tree and, like, pulls the leaves off of it and starts, like, poking the hole. And I was like, okay, fuck this. I was like, fuck chimps. They suck. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember this now because I think I told you the story about, like, them closing the zoo because they were like, one of the chimps had a miscarriage. And then what they were actually doing was that they had taken the baby chimp and were, like, ripping it apart and throwing (laughs) it around. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, chimps, chimps are, like, terrifying. Like, the, did you, did you read much about, like, the Gordy's, uh, the Gordy's how, Gordy's home, like, what it was based on? I, I, I was aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember that. Yeah. Because I, I, I read about it as, like. I think the lady did survive, but, like, mm-hmm. the monkey, like, ate her face off. Like, I think she lost she, an eye. Uh, like yeah, was, she was she was blind. Because uh, I did read it after. She, yeah, she was blinded. And, yeah. Like, the, basically, like, what happened to the, the one character in the movie. Yeah. The, his, like, co-star who was at the, who ended up getting yeah. eaten by an alien. <laughs> yeah. So. so, yeah. Maybe, maybe the, maybe the animals aren't the problem. Maybe it's you being friends with, uh. Ricky <laughs> Clark, like that's that's yeah. that's where you went wrong, associating yourself with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was funny that he was like, 
obviously traumatized by it, but his way of coping was just like collecting as much memorabilia about it as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, no, they parodied on SNL and everything. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, and then it like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's clearly yeah not okay, but um, yeah, and like he he thinks that he has some like he thinks he has like some connection to the alien because he had a connection with the monkey. But if you pay attention to, I guess a a theme or like a recurring element, I'll say of the movie is. The only reason the monkey didn't kill him is because he didn't look it in the eyes. Yeah. And because it was, like, through that tablecloth or whatever. Right. Oh, that was but brutal, too, when he, some, like, went like, to do that, yeah. and they just cap him. I know. Even that, like, even after, like, all my negative feelings, it's, that still kind of made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Because, I don't know, maybe, maybe chimps should just, you know not be in captivity <laughs> if they're yeah. mauling people and stuff yeah even though i i hate them but you know <laughs> if they were where they're supposed to be maybe it'd be more okay <laughs> yes yeah. no i mean i probably brought it up last time too but like i've read stories about like monkeys in other countries causing problems like i think i think one of someone like someone like in a city like killed a monkey and like the 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 tribe of monkeys that like had a member of theirs killed like went into town and like started oh. killing pets and like threw oh. a baby off of like a balcony <laughs> like no they were like exacting their Holy revenge shit. like yeah i think in a lot of those God countries damn. where they're not in captivity monkeys are considered like a nuisance yeah i know like yeah in egypt and and yeah they're like they will just run up and like take shit steal shit <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes because. it's like babies or like yeah they'll just like grab a baby and just throw it as far as they can <laughs> like just like, like mon- i don't know i think i think you know there's like cute videos of monkeys and that's fine but it's like you gotta, keep, you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta keep that in the back of your mind that's like no nah, these guys are bastards yeah yeah <laughs> like they are yeah <laughs> but yeah anyways great Great, good, really good stuff. Both of those new ones, and yeah, I've also been continuing my hel- my my uh, my dive into hell in the Hellraiser <laughs> series, which pretty much after the second one, that's all it is. Uh, yeah, I know the third one had some fun to it. Um, they like I actually wrote a I wrote like a really long review for that one, and I was not expecting to, but it's weird where they they like separate. Pinhead is kind of like split in two, as like one is like the id and one is the ego kind of kind of thing sort of and like the goal is to reunite them because the id one is like just he's he's like he's more like a freddy krueger and it's really weird like he's like laughing and like really relishing in it whereas pinhead is more typically almost neutral yeah about it you know and it's it's very weird um but there was still some fun, like, early 90s schlock to it, I guess. Yeah. There's some <laughs> f- fucking silly-ass Cenobites in it. Like, there's one that... Because in, like, all the later ones, like, it's basically Pinhead. And then at some point in the movie, he turns other people into Cenobites. And then it oh, ends okay. with, like, a team of Cenobites <laughs> that he has made. And there's a part where he, like, he just massacres an entire club full of people and the DJ, you see him, like, get, like, 
CDs like embedded in his head. So then <laughs> he's like becomes a a CD Cenobite with like like oh CDs. Oh my god. And his mouth is like a disk drive that like shoots <laughs> out <laughs> CDs. <laughs> um so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's uh, like if you made a porn parody of Videodrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So so that one was fun. It was bad, but it was fun. Oh, but then number shit. F- number four, it's like it's the it's Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain meets Hellraiser because <laughs> it's like it starts on this spaceship like a hundred fifty years in the future or whatever. Oh and Jesus! There's this dude who like has a robot do the the box. Oh, the puzzle. Okay, the lament configuration. And it's kind of funny because like it 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 solves this is like the opening of the movie it like solves it and then the robot like looks at the camera and then it just explodes, <laughs> I guess because they can't they can't flay it so they just oh, explode it. That um, rules. And then the guy gets like arrested because like I don't know he's doing something illegal for space cops or whatever. Sure. Um, and then he's like, "Oh, can I tell you the story of my family and like why I'm doing this?" And it's, like, basically he is, like, the descendant of this, like, French dude called Le Marchand. Because in, in the book, The Hellbound Heart, it's called the Le Marchand configuration is, is the name of the box. Okay. Um, and this guy's, like, an old, like, French toy maker. And he makes it. And then this, this like, aristocrat buys it and, like, uses it as... I wasn't sure, like, exactly how it turns it from, like this toy made by like an innocent toy maker becomes what it is like a perverted Rubik's cube. (laughs) Yeah. But the guy like starts like incorporating it into his like cult demonic summoning things. It basically like he tells the story about him and how he tried to like stop it. And then, but then he's killed his, his ancestor, the toy maker. And also Adam Scott is yeah, in it. Yeah, I saw I, that was the most curious part of your letterbox review. I was like French Adam Scott. How old is he in this? I think I checked. He's like he's probably like twenty two. Um, and it's forget that it was how his, old he is. Yeah, he's like close to fifty. I think. Yeah, now. but this was his first like major film role, I guess. Interesting. Um, and he's like the assistant to the French aristocrat that like takes the box, but then he kills the aristocrat and then he's like it's him and this like demon chick not a not a cenobite mm-hmm. but it's like him and this demon chick are kind of like in control of it for like basically until i think it's like the 80s or 90s i think it's it's either supposed to be current to when the movie came out or like right before the first movie i'm not because sh- i'm not sure it doesn't really address <laughs> the stuff in the first two movies as like was that before or after this but anyways there's the french period that guy tries to stop it and dies. And then the one in like contemporary time tries to stop it and dies. And then it, and then you're back to like the future time, the space time. And he's like, yeah, so now I'm here and I'm trying to build this thing to stop him once and for all. Like it's an anti configuration an anti box. It's supposed to like seal the gateway to hell permanently. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just really just a fucking mess of a movie. It's, it's, <laughs> The whole, the multiple timeline thing is fucking wild. I like that, that like most 
movie franchises, you need to wait until like you get into the double digits to get the space movie. But this one does it at number four. <laughs> you get the yeah, space movie say. and the period piece. <laughs> yeah, um, that's wild. I wonder how much of this is actually based on Clive Barker's novels. <laughs> I'd be surprised if any of this one was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also there's these like these two security guards who like I'm like is this is this being is this like a weird like like <laughs> there's just the part where they're having small talk and he's like he's like oh so I was talking with blah 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 and he's like would you uh have a would you have sex with a, a a chick that used to be a guy and then he's like like a like a trans person or something like that and he's like yeah and he's like and I was like yeah I mean I guess so if he's cut and then he's like and then the other guy's like yeah and like that's their conversation and I'm like okay <laughs> all right so like some little pro trans stuff in yeah, this like mid 90s horror movie well um, I mean I will then, say but then they do get mutilated and turned oh. into Cenobites so maybe that's like the punishment for it's like oh yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah that that's like the kinkiest shit is like okay yeah now that's what elevates you into cenobite territory (laughs) yeah i mean i will say i think these movies have a very strong uh like lgbtq like connection yeah something like with the cenobites being kind of like they're like androgynous genderless yeah kind of like pro kink bdsm but it's like (laughs) yeah like are you just kind of forgiving the part where they kill anybody that like partakes in their shit. Yeah. But (laughs) Oh Jesus. There's more of these. Yep. I'm like, uh, that one, that one, I will say that one does end with, um, the guy reveals that like the entire spaceship they're on is the anti, uh, configuration machine and like yeah. it folds into a cube at the end and explodes pinhead and the other cenobites so <laughs> like i don't know i guess you get pinhead in space but it's like yeah it was it was fucking garbage uh but i will say i'm like a halfway or like i'm a half hour into the next one number five inferno and so far so far yeah a huge step up from the last two i will say okay uh, i'll i still got an hour left so it could it could drop but it's it's funny it's another another genre that a lot of horror sequels don't go into is a is like a noir detective story but that's what this one is because it's like follows <laughs> a police officer and he's like doing the sort of like uh i always hated tuesdays they remind me of like that kind of narration <laughs> Uh, alone in the dark i guess oh, okay. you could say and yeah by no means like a, a, like a great horror movie but compared to the last two so far a big step up so okay so we'll see so yeah oh, i'm roughly shit. roughly halfway through them in uh hellraiser hellseeker i think dean winters is the lead oh, okay who i only know him as uh the guy from 30 rock like liz yeah. lemon's idiot boyfriend yeah, that's a he's mayhem too from those yeah, insurance commercials. commercials. And he's in Battle Creek. Oh, oh. <laughs> Hellraiser Deader is yeah. 2005. I'm excited for that one purely based on the title 
because it just sounds like <laughs> such a dumb title. And then Hell World, I'm excited for too because it's the <laughs> it's video game Hell Hellraiser. It's like Hell World is like VR something, so <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be terrible. You know, kudos to Doug Bradley for being in all of these. Yeah. He wasn't in the last two before the newest one. There was um, Hellraiser. Revelations and Judgment. Yeah, that's. Um, that's yeah, well, called. if you if you're on Letterboxd, look at Hellraiser Revelations and the uh, the cover photo for it. It's it looks like the guy who's in that one. I only know it as like a reaction gift, but he looks like the guy who's like, are we the baddies? Oh, David Mitchell. Um Yeah. Yeah, he's from like Mitchell and Webb. Yeah. Yeah, but it looks like it's like, oh, is that like chubby pinhead? <laughs> he's kinda got <laughs> yeah. like like fat cheeks. I I might have mentioned this, but I watched the trailers for Revelations and Judgment just because I knew it was different pinhead guys yeah. and I just wanted to see what they look like and holy shit. Like holy shit. They look like they look like they have the budget of like our videos. <laughs> like Oh no. Yikes. Um Damn. those ones are probably the ones I am dreading the most, and they're the last <laughs> two I have to watch. <laughs> yeah, they look like the the most schlocky Holy fuck. Like worst ones. Revelations has a one point one on Letterboxd. That is low. Oh, that's not good. I want to see what, let's see, in comparison, let's see what Bloodline, the one that I thought is the worst one so far, that has a 2.4. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, oh man, I think it's that much worse. <laughs> I'm going to like become a Cenobite when I finish this series. Yeah, that's, I've like, that's I've the like, curse. there are no more earthly like pleasures to be had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, there's, there's a, a long dive into what i've been watching i guess <laughs> nice i'm excited for a cup pull it's been a while i know i was thinking that too like uh for i guess not for the listeners well for us this was our last cup pull too our most recent cup pull was hard eight but that yeah. was like a month ago for us so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay <laughs> let's do it and it's boogie nights <laughs> I like to try to shake them out so they just fall out. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Uh, from 2007, directed by Julian Schnabel, we'll be watching The Diving Bell and The Butterfly. Um, haven't seen this one in a while, but I remember liking it quite a bit. It is on Pluto for free. Nice. Uh, and then for rent on all the usuals, Apple TV, YouTube, Amazon. Um, so watch that on any of those or whatever before next week's episode. If you don't want to be spoiled for the diving bell and the butterfly, these episodes, <laughs> sorry, come out every uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. EST um, on Twitch and YouTube in video form, as well as... Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more in podcast form. 
We're on Amazon Music now too. I just filled that out and we've been oh. verified. Hell yeah. So Sweet. whoever listens on Amazon podcasts, we're there now. Sweet. I didn't even <laughs> know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I got because like with the duds email, I'll get emails that are like, come claim your podcast on so and so dot podcast dot whatever. And usually it's like you claim it, but then it's like they want money to tell you how they can help you advertise or whatever bullshit. So I'm very skeptical of it. But hmm. yeah, no, we're on Amazon Music now. Nice. Sweet. And um, we also have uh, social pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, so follow, follow there if you like. Let's give a listen, give a like, whatever. That's that. That about does us. I God, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, you I found am... this movie pretty devoid of anything. So <laughs> no, no, I got something. I'm just trying to think of what he says. I mean, I I gotta go with uh, you know, I'm your crap shooting yeah uh, philip seymour hoffman come on old timer i don't know i just, I was, trying, <laughs> I was just trying to think of something he says but yeah that guy that's that's who i am and uh my name's tj aka jay's project cheese and with me as always as always i am your homeless wayward son bum sitting outside of a diner <laughs> nick aka dr funk on twitch Alrighty. Bye uh, bye. Bye. I guess that was me doing my bye bye in kind of a John C. Riley. John C. Riley. <laughs> <laughs>